0: DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study presents Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon Doran, along with her husband Steve, are founders of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, whose mission is to actively seek truth and raise up disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ through an in-depth Catholic Bible study. Sharon. Sharon who holds two master's degrees in education and in pastoral theology with an emphasis in sacred scripture, is an experienced Bible study teacher for over a decade. She has a passion for scripture that motivates and challenges her students to immerse themselves in God's Word and apply His message to their everyday lives. We now begin the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran.
1: Jesus taught us how to pray, and in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Part 4 is on Christian prayer. At Section 2, we learn about the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father. Please listen now to number 2759 from the Catechism of the Catholic Church.
2: Jesus was praying at a certain place, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. In response to this request, the Lord entrusts to his disciples and to his church the fundamental Christian prayer. St. Luke presents a brief text of five petitions, while St. Matthew gives a more developed version of seven petitions. The liturgical tradition of the church has retained St. Matthew's text. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.
1: At the Catholic Mass, before we begin to pray the Lord's Prayer as one body of Christ, the priest will invite us by saying, At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Friends, I love that. We dare to say, it's his divine teaching, and we dare to say, and then we communally pray the Lord's Prayer, what our Savior divinely taught us in Matthew 11, and the priest continues at the end by saying, deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may always be Be free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. Just think, to be always free from sin and safe from all distress. That's a wonderful prayer. You know, friends, sin really does cause anxiety it causes stress it causes distress and it causes anxiety and when we pray the lord's prayer at mass we pray we pray to be free from sin and safe from all distress because god wants our happiness being free from sin increases our happiness to always be free from sin and this is a possibility because of the great gift of reconciliation that beautiful sacrament of healing of god's love and mercy we can be absolved and free from sin and then at Mass, all together, we proclaim that final doxology of the Lord's Prayer. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and And forever. It is a powerful prayer that Christ has taught us. It is a universal prayer for all, since we all have the same Father. There's only one God, and He is Father of all. Let's join our Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study Lecture Series now for part two of the Lord's Prayer, based on the scriptures of Matthew chapter six and Luke chapter eleven. Now, not everyone has a good image of their earthly Father, so some people can't get past God as father because they didn't like their dad or their their dad was abusive or their dad wasn't the father that God maybe hoped he would be. So the catechism tells us that we have to see God the Father through the eyes of Christ, not our own earthly dad. That's an imperfect image. Now, God, we're family. He's all about family and kinship and he's a father and so he makes a covenant, and what he does is he keeps increasing who's in the covenant and so that we can all one day be in it. And here's how it works. If you just follow the covenant form, started with the first covenant with Adam, and Adam was a husband, and the covenant form was marriage between one man and one woman, Adam and Eve. And the next covenant was made with Noah, and the covenant form was a household his sons he had three sons and their wives and his wife the next covenant was made with Abraham and it was the form was a tribal covenant and they were the Hebrew people and then Moses came and his covenant form was a nation a nation of Israel so see how it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and including more people then David comes along and gets a covenant about a kingdom a kingdom covenant and it's bigger yet and then Jesus comes and the Covenant is the Catholic Church, and it's a universal for all covenant. Anyone can come in, anyone, because God's the Father of all. All humanity are brothers and sisters, and we have the same Father. God Almighty is teaching us through revelation in history, the banished children of Eve don't get to see God anymore, but God the Father is gonna save his children. He has a plan, all his children. He's gonna increase the multitude of his children in history. What is the easiest way to believe that something's really true? See it. Show me. Let me see it. I want to see it. Show me. I want to see with my own eyes. I got to see it. I got to see it. That's why in this song, I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. We want to see God. We want to know He's really there. Is this just something we made up to make us feel good? Is He really there? Really? Show me. Show me humanity all people are brothers and sisters with a common father and we all have the same father and we'd sure like to see him philip said show us show us the father and jesus said philip you've seen me don't you know you've seen the fa- you've seen me don't you know you've seen the he's like what i want to see you i want to see you god so god in his mercy sends his son and he says this is my son They didn't know he had a son. They didn't know God had a son. God has a son. And Jesus is the son of God and he's our father. And that makes all of us brothers and sisters and it makes Jesus, his son, our brother. Mary stood outside the tomb crying, Mary Magdalene, great sinner, had a huge conversion, came to love Jesus she wept. She bent over the tomb to look inside, and she saw two angels seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot, and they said, woman, why are you crying? She said, they've taken my Lord. I don't know where they've put him, and at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. He is kind of a new gardener, a new Adam, and she said, sir, if you've carried him away, please tell me where you've put him. I... And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me. Don't hold on to me. Because he knows he's going back to the father. But this is really important what he says. Go to my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to my father and your father. To my God and your God. From his own mouth he makes us siblings. Your father and my father, Mary, your God and my God. God's our father and we're siblings. You are my sister in Christ. My father and your father, my God and your God. Jesus is our sibling. God is our father. Jesus is our brother. So what's the easiest way to really believe something's true? Show me. So God in his mercy shows us Jesus. He lets us see him with our own eyes. If you lived at that time. God really showed us Jesus. When the Archbishop was here last week and he said it was really cool being in the Holy Land because he really walked there. He really, really did. He really had arms and legs. He really did. God showed us. No one has ever seen God, but the only Son God who is at the Father's side has revealed Him. Jesus revealed the Father to us, our Father, our brother, Jesus. This is my Son whom I love. And then on the Mount of the Transfiguration, this is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Deacon Keating said we have to be silent to listen. (laughs) Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, she said. She told them the things she had seen. So this sinful woman becomes an apostle to the apostles. Talk about the new evangelization. Thomas isn't going to believe it. I have to see it. I wasn't here that night, he came. I I have to see with my own eyes. I have to stick my hand in his side. I want to see. (laughs) Then Jesus said, because you have seen me, you believe. But blessed are those, like all you guys here and me, blessed are us who haven't seen yet, still believe. We're blessed, Jesus said. God, our Father, knows what's best for us, and he wants to give us every good and perfect gift. Which of you fathers would give your son uh, a snake uh, when he asked for a fish? Or if he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? You then, though you are evil people, you know how to give good gifts to your children. So how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Moses was the father of the Israelites, and they were being afflicted. They were being bitten by snakes. And God tells him to put a snake, a bronze serpent, up on a pole, and it would heal their afflictions. So the Son of Man, too, must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Look. What God the Father has done out of love for his sinful sons and daughters. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We should praise him with everything in us for the gift of his son that he's given us. We should hallow his name. We should exalt him and praise him and worship him and adore him. That should be our first thing. Thank you, Father, hallowed be your name. You are God, and I am a sinful creature that you saved, that you sent your only son to save. Your kingdom come. We've been talking a lot about his kingdom, his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Your will, Father, not mine, yours. Often his, our will does not conform to his will, right? I didn't think my life would go like this. Have you ever said that? I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought we'd have a little white picket fence. And I, I didn't think, really, I didn't think that I didn't think that was going to happen. Do we trust His plan for our lives? His kingdom come, His will be done. I trust You, Father. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Help me trust, Lord. I don't, but help me trust. Are we obedient to His will for us? Hmm. Have we surrendered everything to him? Everything, How hallowed be your name, I give it all. Will, <laughs> my will. Will is hard. See these reeds blowing in the wind? I like to think of the Holy Spirit as the wind and my will just being blown, just being conformed to him. That's what I pray would happen if I'm docile to the Holy Spirit. My will could be conformed back into his will because my will's my will. But we want to say, thy will be done, Father. Thy will, not my will. But we say, this is my life, and it's my time, and it's my decision, and it's my business. It's not his business. It's my business. This is my life. I remember this Billy Joel song so well. I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me it's time to come home. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life, right? Go ahead with your own life and leave me alone. Now I have teenage boys. I get this song. Better. That's Paul. No, I'm kidding. That's Billy Joel. So Will. Will is hard to conform to the Lord because we think it's mine, it's my life. No, it's not, it's your life, Father, it's all gift, you gave it to me. When, when my parents, in, in the most beautiful marital embrace, when, when they conceived me by the power of the Holy Spirit of life, this is my life, this is his life, this is, I'm his creation, I'm his vessel, I'm his instrument, it's, I, I gotta get out of it. I gotta conform my will to his. My will be done? No, your will be done, Father. And he shows us how. Not my will. I don't really want this chalice you're handing me right now, Father. I'm sweating tears of blood here. I'm really, I I don't. But not my will. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't understand your plan for my life, but I'm going to go with it. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to try to conform my will to your will my plans to your plans. I'm going to try to trust you, Father. Give us today our daily bread. Just today. Give us today what we need. Provide for us today, Lord, in all ways of life. Everything, everything I need to say, everything I need to think, everything I need to do, what I need to eat, what I need, everything. He gave them one day of food at a time in the desert They were so mad, we we could have just died. I mean, in Egypt we had pots of meat, we ate all the food we wanted. You bring us out to this desert to starve us, to kill us? And then he rains bread down from heaven, but only enough for one day at a time. Why? He wants them to trust him for his daily bread. Trust me, I'm gonna take care of you. Trust me, trust me. And if they took too much, on the Sabbath, on Shabbat, just you can take two, two days helping then because I'm not going to work on Sunday <laughs> or Sabbath, you know. But if they took more, it would rot, get maggots in it. So he taught them daily bread, daily bread. Trust me. Think when it first rained down, they must have just been like so excited. And then later, as time wore on, they start grumbling again. Is this all we got? We're tired of this stuff. It's like cotton. Then he makes bread for us. He multiplies the loaves, enough to feed over 5,000, 5,000 men, women, children, 12 baskets left over. He can do it. He can bring bread from heaven. This is the new Moses. And he gives us this day our daily bread. Every day we can go to mass and get this daily bread to sustain us, our spirits, our hearts, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is what the U.S., the New American Bible, said debt. And I know in Mass we pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I want to spend a little time here because this one is huge, huge, huge. I heard today on EWTN, don't even pray the Our Father if you have, for, you know, if you have said in your heart, I'm not forgiving that person. I'm so mad. At they treated me so wrong. I was so unjustly. Doing. Don't even pray the Our Father because you're praying to forgive but your heart's not in the prayer. Prayer is a matter of the heart. It says it over a thousand times. Prayer and the heart go together. This is the unmerciful servant. First Peter comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times? And Jesus, because that's a perfect number, you know. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Oh, So then he tells this parable of a king who wants to settle his account with his servants, and he calls one in that owed him a lot of money. And the servant fell on his knees and said, Oh, be patient with me, he begged, and he cried, I I, I will pay back everything, I promise. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Then that same guy goes out and sees a guy that owes him a way less amount, and he chokes him and begins to throttle him. He says, Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. The fellow servant fell to his knees and begged. He said, please be patient with me. I will pay you back. But, but, and he refused. And instead he went out. He had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. So the servant saw what had happened and they go back and tell the king and they're greatly distressed. And the the master says, what? What? The master called the servant in and he said, you wicked servant. You wicked servant, I canceled all your debt because you begged me to. You wicked, wicked servant, I forgave you everything. You pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had as much mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? And in his anger, he threw him into the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owes. Now, this is the clincher. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart yeah Ooh. you're going to be measured with the measure you use on others how forgiving of a person are you this is hard this is hard this is hard did you get that? it's hard <laughs> A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And Jesus says on the cross, because he had prayed to his Father all these years, he's able to say with his heart, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. On the cross, he forgives us. And he paid all the debt for all time, for all of us. And when we refuse to forgive, it's like we're drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness is toxic in your life. It doesn't hurt the other person, it only hurts you. And sometimes you have been hurt and it's been unjust and the person has really wronged you or betrayed you or done something horrible to you. In marriage counseling, this is one of my favorite priests, Father uh, John Ricardo, and he does a lot of marriage counseling, and he said, um, he was asked the question, are there any kind of recurrent themes for marriages that are really in trouble? And he said, usually, he said in general, I'm just giving you in general, but a lot of times one person has really messed up, but the other person cannot show mercy. The marriage ends because the other party cannot Forgive. Isn't that sad? Over 50% of marriages end in divorce because of lack of mercy. On the innocent person's part, then the innocent person turns into the sinner that's gonna go to hell because they can't forgive. Unforgiveness is a huge debt that we lug around. If we are holding and harboring resentment against someone else, even if it wasn't our fault, We haul around that huge lug of unforgiveness, and it cripples us, and it poisons us. And Jesus wants to take it off our back. He wants to help us forgive. When we think we can't forgive, because what they've done is so bad, I can't possibly forgive. Well, no, you can't on your own. Only in Christ can we forgive. He will give you the grace to forgive. If you ask him, forgive us our trespasses. Lord, help me. I can't do it. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Because we're going to be measured with that measure when we stand in front of the Father, and He says, "Why didn't you forgive so and so, so and so, so?" Well, they really they were, they were in the wrong, and they really they did what was wrong to me, and they betrayed me. And that, I don't care. <laughs> That's the measure then that I'm going to use on you. Oh, ouch. Don't bother to pray the Our Father if you in your heart know, I'm not going to forgive that person. But I think that's too harsh. I think you should still pray the Our Father. And while you're praying it, ask for the grace to forgive. I can't do it on my own, Father, but you can help me. You can give me the grace to forgive this person because you love me so much and you forgave me. Help me forgive this person. When you forgive someone, there is an abundance of grace showered on you. It will Only bless your life when you forgive. You will be showered with God's grace and it'll be palpable. People will see you and and be drawn to you because you're so full of God's grace and you won't know you did anything. But God did it through you. It's powerful. Pray with your hearts and with the help of His grace to try to forgive. It takes time. It's not instant unless it's super grace like the Pope had with his assassin. Four days it took him. Most of us take four months Four years hopefully not 40 years so we pray forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and do not subject us to the final test but deliver us from the evil one live ready to die i'm almost done the final test it's your last breath that matters are you in union with the lord at the time of your death because that's the most important time <laughs> that's the most important time of your life is your moment of death Live ready. Live ready now to meet the Lord. I know Robin didn't know she was going to meet the Lord. Her husband found her with a rake on the patio, raking the lawn. She didn't know. That was the time he would call her home. Live ready to meet the Lord. Do not subject us to the final test. If we're ready all the way up to the final test, he will deliver us from the evil one. He will be with us in the moment of death. He will take us home. For God foreknew, he also predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We're to be conformed to him. What is being conformed to him? You be a cruciform on the cross. You suffer with him. We're conformed to his perfect will. We're conformed to obedience with the Father in all things. Not my will, but your will, Father. We accept suffering. We are surrendered to the Father's will and conformed to Christ. Live ready to die so you will not be subjected to the final test. Deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Oh, the Lord's prayer is such a complete prayer to be meditated on. The line, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That really struck my heart and made me turn to the parable of the merciless servant in my Bible at Matthew chapter 18. And I love what the catechism of the Catholic Church has to say about it. Our catechism is such a gift to the faithful in understanding our faith better. Please listen now to number 2843 of our catechism and this beautiful message.
2: Thus, the Lord's words on forgiveness, the love that loves to the end, become a living reality. The parable of the merciless servant, which crowns the Lord's teaching on ecclesial communion, ends with these words. So also my Heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It is there, in fact, in the depths of the heart, that everything is bound and loosed. It is not in our power not to feel or to forget an offense, but the heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit turns injury into a compassion and purifies the memory in transforming the hurt into intercession.
1: That is powerful stuff. If you have been hurt by someone, remember that it's not in our power to feel or to forget the offense someone against us has done, but the heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit turns injury into compassion and purifies the memory in transforming the hurt into intercession. Wow, I love that. That's so powerful. A heart offered to the Holy Spirit. If you've been hurt and you are having a really hard time forgiving someone, Offer your own heart to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to please turn that injury into compassion. Ask Him to purify the memory and transform the hurt into compassion. It's just so good to know that painful memories can be transformed into powerful intercession. That's been true in my own life. Another one of my own struggles that my kids are very helpful for me to point out to me is that, Mom, you're being judgmental. So I was really struck by uh, this Luke 6 passage. Listen to this from Luke 6.
2: Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down. Shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back.
1: I love that scripture. Lord, please help me have a big, huge measure for forgiveness. When they used to measure out grain at the market, you didn't want to pay for a cup of grain, and then they don't fill the cup up to the top brim. You know, have you ever gone to a movie and the soda drinks cost a million dollars, and then the lady doesn't fill it all the way up to the top, and you're going, ah! But the Lord wants us to have a big, full measuring cup for our forgiveness measure towards others. He wants us to be merciful so that he too will be merciful with us. Oh Lord, may my measure for forgiving others be big, big, big and filled to the top. If this is the same measure that you will use for me on judgment day, when I stand alone before you, may I always give a big dose of forgiveness, even to those who have hurt me the worst. A good measure, press down, shaken together, running over, for the measure of forgiveness that I use to others is going to be the same measure that you, Lord, will use to forgive me on that day. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Oh, Lord, I thank you for teaching us in this scripture how to pray. May we honor you with our regular prayer and may we enter more deeply into communion with you join us next time for a discussion on the parables but until then keep seeking truth Deuteronomy 429 says from there you will seek the lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and all your soul in your time of distress when all these things have happened to you in time to come you will return to the Lord your God and heed him because the Lord your God is a merciful God he will neither abandon you nor or destroy you. He will not forget the covenant with your ancestors that he swore to them. And friends, if we pray, our hearts stay soft. And if our hearts stay soft, then we're more apt to repent. And if we repent, he will forgive us, for he has a very, very, very big capacity to measure and to forgive. Until next time, keep seeking truth.
0: You've been listening to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. To learn how you can become a participant either online or in a classroom setting of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, go to seekingtruth.net. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. Join us next time for Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.